You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Oh, it's the gift that keeps on giving. Michael Jordan and the last dance. Oh, we got drama. We got former teammates backstabbing, calling Mike a snitch. Michael Wilbon from Pardon the Interruption gets involved. He backs up Scottie Pippen in the process. Does he say something disparaging about LeBron James? Welcome to the program. Already in progress. Paulie and I spent the last 15 minutes just talking about the greatness of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar because we have, you know, there's a coronation here of Michael Jordan. And it's just a re-coronation. You know, it's almost like you're going to, you get, I got married twice. You know, I got married and then I went to Vegas with my wife and surprised her. I got married at uh, the Elvis Chapel. So, you know, I, I, I renewed my vows with my wife. I think that's what we did here with Michael Jordan. We renewed our vows. We love you, Michael, so much. Let's renew our vows here. Ten parts. It's going to take ten parts for us to renew our vows here with Michael Jordan. But... Now, all of a sudden, you know, there's some things that trickle out. Of course, it's going to be Pizzagate now, Pizza Hut Gate. And um, now the delivery guy says that this is BS. And, you know, was Michael making this up? Why now? Why did it come out? You had the flu game and it felt like it was there. It was firmly entrenched in his history, the archives. And then it became the food poisoning game. And then now all of a sudden we got some people who are disputing that including the delivery guy. Have that for you coming up. And then Horace Grant. Horace Grant, former teammate. He goes on uh, ESPN Chicago Cap and Company podcast, and he talks about how much of the last dance was actually not true. Here's Horace Grant. 90% of it was, I don't know if I can say it on air, but BS. In terms of um, the realness of it, as I stated the other day, that it wasn't real. Because a lot of things that he said to uh, some of his teammates, his teammates went back at it. But all of that was kind of edited out of the documentary, if you want to call it a documentary. Okay, so Horace Grant, a former Jordan teammate, won some titles, I think three titles, then went to Orlando. And Michael says that Horace was the snitch. He was the source for Sam Smith's book, Behind the Scenes, The Jordan Rules. And Horace said that that's not the case. And then Horace doubled down on it and said that he's not the snitch. Michael's the snitch. He said I was the snitch. But yet and still, after 30 or 35 years, he brings up his rookie year going into uh, one of his teammates' room and seeing coke and weed and women. My point is, why in the hell did he want to bring that up? What's that got to do with anything? If you want to call somebody a snitch, that's a damn snitch right there. All righty, shots fired here. He is right about Jordan talking about his rookie year that has nothing to do with the last uh, year, the last dance here with the Chicago Bulls. It makes Michael look better. And, you know, it, he's saying things about teammates and calling them out that what was going no, I'm sure if Michael's teammates were going to do the same to him, they probably have some stories with Michael, but they didn't want to. But Mike calls out some teammates for whatever was happening his rookie year. Then you had Michael Wilbon on Pardon the Interruption, and he wants to come to the defense of Scottie Pippen. And Wilbon said this last night on Pardon the Interruption. I'm tired of everybody taking shots at Scottie Pippen because last I checked, he's got twice as many rings it's, as It's LeBron. just me. I'm the only one twice. who does. No, me, no, do. apparently not because you quoted LeBron. And, and LeBron, you know, if that was a shot, I would just oh. say one guy has twice as many rings as the other guy. I would just point that out. 
Okay. Uh, not a good moment for Wilbon. That's uh, some Chicago pride there from Wilbon sticking up for Scotty Pippen. It's one thing to stick up for Scotty and remind people he has six rings, and he was a great wingman here. Did all the things that you would want from a wingman. But if you're going to compare Scotty to LeBron just because he's got twice as many rings, that's not a good argument, Mike. It's just not. Scotty is not better than LeBron James. And Michael knows that too. But, it, you know, if LeBron played with Michael, golly, we just... How do we get LeBron into these arguments? That's what we need to do. Uh, if, if Michael played with LeBron, how many titles would they win? I don't know. But LeBron's a better player than Scottie Pippen. He is. And that got us... Yeah, I know. Breaking news. Gutsy. Yeah. Going out on a limb there. Woo, that's a hot take. And then Paulie and I started talking. And I said, if, if this is about rings, if it's always about rings then Bill Russell is the greatest player of all time. Like, we want to sort of manipulate the narrative, as the kids like to say. Oh, well, Michael's got to be the greatest because of the way he played. Okay, it's the modern era, and we know Michael's successful on and off the court. Bill Russell did everything you want in a star player. You did, he did everything. He won in college. He won in the Olympics. He won in the pros. He won, what, eight straight? He won 11 titles? Okay, so what's the argument? That, well, he wasn't as excited. Well, he wasn't polished offensively. Oh, we, hey, he couldn't play in today's game. So we keep changing the goal line. We move the goal line here. Is it playing ability? Is it resume? And that's why I come back to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. To me, if I look at everything he accomplishes, the greatest player of all time. okay. Greatest basketball player of all time. There's no marketing here. He didn't have, you know, signature shoe. He didn't have any, you know, great nickname. Nothing. Kareem, three for three in college. He couldn't play his freshman year, or he won, He would have gone four for four. He was most valuable player all three years. In, in winning the championship, player of the year, most outstanding player in the final four. Can't do better than that. Nope. Somehow he wasn't the greatest college basketball player Michael Jordan was. You got six titles here. He won six MVPs. He was an all-star 19 times. And you forget about how great, yes, all-time leading scorer, he was first team all defense, I think five times. If Kareem was, let's say, five or six years younger, then maybe we would have seen him in prime time, in his prime, and that would have been a little bit different there. But to me, if you said, I'm going to combine everything here, then the package is Michael Jordan, because that's easy to understand. Oh, we like him. Be like Mike. You go six for six. Okay. If, if Michael goes four and two, he's not the best basketball player of all time, folks. He will be in the conversation but he wouldn't be considered the greatest player of all time. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is the greatest basketball player of all time. If I, I can look at high school, college, pros, Kareem is the greatest player of all time. Now you say, oh, he had to have magic. to Scotty, if Mike doesn't have Scotty, according to Mike, he doesn't win these titles. So you can't say, oh, Kareem needed help. He had Oscar later in Oscar's career, and they won a title. Look at that Bucks team. Not a great team, but they had Kareem. Lou Alcindor at the time. 
But we start, we get caught up in the rings, and then all of a sudden we go, well, wait a minute, you know, Robert Ory won seven. Uh, Steve Kerr won whatever, five or six. No. It, then it gets into a silly argument there. This is about great players, and if you're going to say the bottom line is, how many championships? Okay. Now, I use that more with a quarterback than I do, you know, other, other teams, other sports. Like, is, is Barry Bonds sudden, you know, somehow not one of the great players of all time because he didn't win anything? A- apparently, if you use that logic there. I just think it's dangerous to do that, to say, Dan Marino never won. We can look at quarterbacks who won Super Bowls. You can't sit here and tell me that Bob Greasy and Bart Starr were better than Dan Marino. Not. Oh, they won Super Bowl. Okay, they won Super Bowls. Michael won six rings. He went 6-0. and Is he spectacular? Great. Did he do everything you wanted him to do? Need to do? Yes, he did all of those things. But when we start to go, well, Scotty's got twice as many rings as Scotty. All right. Let Scotty play with the Cleveland Cavaliers and tell me how he does. Does he take the team to the finals? Do they come back from 3-1? Even if he goes to Miami, are they winning those titles with Scotty there with Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh? Maybe. I mean, that's, that's the fun part of the argument. But when, you know, it feels like, here's my trump card. He's got more titles than you. Kobe, to me, is equal to Michael Jordan. And I know that's blasphemous to say, but folks, I saw him play. Both of them. If I'm just looking at basketball ability, Kobe is equal to Michael. He is. I know we don't want to admit it. Offensively, he is, he is what Michael was. And maybe then so. Michael was an, a better all-around player because he was a great, great defensive player. But when we come to rings and then it's Bill Russell, yeah, but you can't be Bill Russell. And then all of a sudden you're going, oh, okay, let's take Bill Russell out of the equation. Because he just played for a great team and a great coach and uh, had a fellow Hall of Famers, and he's not involved in this. No. That's what we were talking about prior to the show. And I, just, I still think Kareem, if it's possible to be underrated, is underrated. Even his college years, I, I didn't get to see many games on TV. It, you know, like we missed everything with Kareem. And yet you can point out that Magic stepped in in the Sixers series, played center, and ended up being the MVP, and they beat the 76ers. You can, do, you can make all those arguments. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is the greatest basketball player of all time. Michael Jordan is the most celebrated player of all time. And rightfully so. I understand it. You know, we're all about packaging things. Your brand, marketing. Jordan is still marketing. He marketed himself this was his comeback. The fact that you have players who wear his logo is the true testament. I mean, here's LeBron with Michael Jordan's logo on his shoe. Like it's, I get it. I understand it. And this reinforced the Michael greatness on us who saw it. And he introduced himself to a whole new generation. Brilliant, brilliant marketing. Absolutely. All right. A few things to talk about today. We'll talk to Frank Reich, the Colts head coach, coming up a little bit. They brought in Phillip Rivers, and they say it's not a one-year deal. So we'll talk to uh, Frank about that and opening up the facilities here. We'll uh, check in with my Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tom Brady was out with some of his teammates throwing the football around. And uh, we'll talk to Rick Stroud, who covers the uh, Buccaneers for the Tampa Bay Times. And then Chip Kelly from UCLA, their head football coach, will join us. 
and uh, the struggles that we might have with the Pac-12 of trying to play football at the same time as everybody else. 877-3DP-SHOW. Email address dp at danpatrick.com. Twitter handle with DP Show. McLevin will have a poll question. Got a stat of the day, play of the day. All of that coming up. Ryan in Maryland joins us. Ryan, what's on your mind today? Hey, what's going on, Dad? Hey. Um, you know, it's crazy. I was just on social media, had some friends that's big-time LeBron fans, and they kept on. Their angle was Jordan doing didn't do it by itself. And no, he didn't. I mean, he had other players. But my thing was... Jordan made people – I mean, he had good pay, players, but he made those good players great. His work ethic, the way he fell down and came back up, and who he eliminated from the playoffs makes him the greatest ever to me. And Kareem played against less athletic guys to me. I mean, compared to the Supersonics, to the Jazz, to the Pacers, I mean, those teams were like – I mean, most people – you know, would have got eliminated, especially in my opinion, I think LeBron would have never got a ring if they still had those squads that they had, like how they had around in the 90s. I mean, Jordan showed, I mean, you couldn't get a better resume than that in basketball. All right. Well, thank you, Ryan. Once again, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is the greatest basketball player of all time. Michael is the most celebrated, best packaged player that we've ever seen. He did everything you want with a great player. You win, you're 6-0 and in the NBA Finals. Can't argue with that. MVP, he did everything you wanted. Wanted the ball in big situations. All of those things. Can't argue with any of that. It's just, if we're, if we're basing this off rings, are we basing this off ability? Now I got somebody, you know, Ryan's telling me, well, Kareem didn't play against anybody. He could only play against who he was out there on the floor with. Did, did, did he... <laughs> Did he have a time machine where he's like, um, these guys aren't any good. Can I get somebody in here? Can you bring in Kevin Durant from the future? Can you bring in Shaq from the future, please? He did what he had to do against the players he was playing against. I can't hold that against him. And you forget how celebrated Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was in high school. This was a big, he had a press conference that was covered nationally back then when nobody was doing that and then went to UCLA. The freshman team he was on beat the varsity that won the national championship. And then he goes into the pros and he was great right away. Won a title for Milwaukee and then went to the Lakers. He's the all-time leading scorer. I just think people forget about Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And it's almost like conveniently forgetting about him. And I don't know why I'm so sensitive to it. I mean, I've had Kareem on, but but it's also something that I witnessed. You know, I got to witness Jordan, but Kareem came before Mike. And, and maybe I'm a little defensive about what I grew up on. But I don't want people to forget. And that's why I bring up players. I brought up Rick Barry the other day. Rick Barry was a badass man. He was, he was a great competitive player, won a title with Golden State, and we forget about it because that was a long time ago. It wasn't the TV era. And I think that's what's that's the sad part of all of this. And that's why I got so upset about ESPN's college basketball poll. It's not even close. It was laughable that Michael was the best player of all time in college. And, and you know, Michael's not not voting on this. He, there's no way Michael could say I'm the best college player of all time. 
I mean, I'd love it if they ask him on the last dance, hey, do you think you're the best college player of all time? Who do you think is? Call the director, Paulie. <laughs> Call Jason here and ask him. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, sure. This program brought to you by Traeger. They want to help you make this summer the tastiest one ever. The uh, real wood-fired flavor, next-level versatility. Traeger Grills, the ultimate way to cook. Contact your local dealer. Visit TraegerGrills.com slash DP show to get yours today. And I don't want to do what Wilbon did, where you end up trying to help Scottie Pippen, compliment Scottie Pippen, but then you say something negative about LeBron James. And maybe it was Mike was upset about LeBron saying, hey, I, I would have been an upgrade over Scotty. He would have been a different upgrade than Scotty. He would have done other things. Scotty was the best defensive player on that team, in my opinion. Scotty was unbelievable as a defensive player. He, he wasn't a great, he couldn't create his shot, but he was great in transition. He did what you wanted him to do. All of those things. Can't argue with any of that, but... He's not LeBron James. Yeah, Paul. I was just looking at some of Kareem's stats. And again, his, his second half of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's career, his stats are nice, but they're not the first half. But at age 40, 40 years old, he played 80 games, 30 minutes a game. Just that, without even the stats. 80 games at age 40, 30 minutes a game. And a guy who's 7'2", who usually have leg problems in his career. No, he didn't miss. He played 79 or more games five of his last six years. At age 40, he averaged 15.7 rebounds and two blocks. Yeah. And that's, a, and that's the downside years. Yeah. All righty. You good? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, you know, I just, I hate when we forget about yesterday. That everything is great, better now. And it's not. It has to be put in perspective there. And that's all. I, I just sometimes, I, I need to bring up somebody that you forgot about. That's my name, Danny Perspective. <laughs> it's my new name, Danny. Oh, the Danettes are here, too. Fritzy, McLevin, Seton, Paulie. Oh, sorry. I didn't even know you guys were here. I apologize. Got off on a rant there and went to town. We'll uh, come up with a poll question here. We'll uh, have a play of the day, stat of the day. Uh, we'll check in with Frank Reich, the uh, Colts head coach. We'll talk about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Tom Brady. And it didn't take long before it feels like Patriot fans are turning on Tom Brady. Yep, believe it or not. 20 after the hour, just getting started. Hour one on this Wednesday, Dan and the Dan. That's Dan Patrick Show. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. We'll settle on a poll question here. We've got our play of the day coming up, stat of the day as well. We welcome in the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts, Frank Reich, who joins us on the program. Coach, good to have you on. We got to do something with the background there behind you. Like, you, like what, what's going on? You got nothing behind you. You know, you had to call me out on that right away. Then. You know, I was sitting there looking at your room, and I was going to say, how do I get one of those? <laughs> you, you got nothing. You look like you're in a, hotel, you're in like a hospital room or something. I'm worried about you. Fair point. And you know what, Dan? I actually even had some guys help me out and say, hey, give me all the, the do's and don'ts of Zoom protocol. And one of them is don't have a plain white background. <laughs> well, mission accomplished. You did. You did well. You didn't listen to them. If we if we had a throwing contest of head coaches right now. How do you think you'd fare? 
I think I'd fare pretty well. Uh, I'm not, I've, I, you know, Doug Peterson would certainly be up there. Uh, we, we'd throw it around a little bit when I was in Philadelphia. There's a, there's a few guys out there, but um, I, I still like getting the ball in my hand and throwing it around. I don't do it that much out of practice, but um, I like to stay in shape and I, I like to have a football in my hands. Cliff Kingsbury might be my pick there. Well, that'd be a, that'd be a good pick. You know, he's got a, he's a few years younger, but um, if it came down to accuracy, that's where if, if you're just talking distance, yeah. then that's one thing. But we got to talk about accuracy. I think I got a chance in accuracy. Um, I see Harbaugh throwing around all the time. Like he, yeah. he it feels like he's ready to play. No, no doubt. And I think he's inspired us all to let us uh, know it's OK to do that. You can still you can still want to throw the ball around and it's not like you're trying to reach back to your former career. You just, you like being around it. We like, I like throwing a ball. I mentioned this yesterday. I didn't realize, I thought you still had the greatest comeback in college football history. I think you got knocked down to number three on that list, but the NFL comeback with the bills is still the top comeback in football history, NFL history. As far as I know, as far as I know it is. Yes. Do you bring it up with your players? Um, I probably in two years and maybe brought it up once, you know, probably brought it up. I don't bring it up that often, but occasionally there's, I think there's a time and a place for, for everything. And I try not to just be dogmatic and say, I'm never going to talk about this or I'm always going to talk about that. I think you got to be open and you got to play off your strengths. And uh, my past playing career was uh, something I bring to the table. So I'll strategically uh, pull back into that. Yeah, because you, if you're down at halftime or whatever it is, or in the fourth quarter, like you can draw upon this and they have to, they have to trust you that, okay, I've been in this situation before, whether you bring it up or not. I mean, just that confidence level of saying we can do this because you were down by over 30 points in those games in, in college and in, in the NFL and ended up winning those. So I, I think that there would be a little bit, there would be a time and a place to bring that up to your team. Maybe Phillip Rivers doesn't need that, but Jacoby Brissett probably could have used something like that. Well, well, you guys, you guys help us out, us former players who are coaches, you help us out and we appreciate this in that, you know, there's still so much that shows. I mean, that, that comeback game shows on air. It's talked about, um, it's brought up in all the sports talk stuff. So, you know, and our players are, they're hearing all this stuff. So it actually gives you opportunity to, to bring up some of those things. Uh, where do you keep your uh, Super Bowl ring from the Eagles? <laughs> it's in a, uh, a long, it's in a safe deposit box. Have you brought it out to show the players? I have not. I have not. You know, we talk about, you know, one of this interesting question, Dan, you know, and I have a coach Peterson was gracious enough to get all the coaching staff a replica a replica Lombardi trophy. Um, and one of the things that I've talked to our players about is, man, the ring is awesome. The, the, the tro it's awesome to hold that trophy, you know, to kiss the trophy, take pictures with the trophy. Um, but in my experience, in my experience, what's even better than the trophy, what's better than the ring, what's better than the money that you get from winning that is looking, looking your teammates in the eye and saying, we stink and did it. We are the best in the world. We are world champions. That's a shield that you wear the rest of your life that that's worth more than anything to me, to look at your teammates and know we wanted to climb the top of this mountain and it's the hardest mountain to climb in sports and we did it together. I'm fired up, ready to run through a wall right now, Coach. <laughs> <laughs> that wall right behind you, that drywall. Yeah, it's, it's a plain wall. We could probably break through it. How about you just take the ring and just put it out on the table in the locker room first week and then just walk out? 
<laughs> just the drop off, right? Like yeah, the mic. like drop the mic. I think that'd be great. He's well, uh, he's excuse me. It was it was hard for me to to want to bring out the one ring I had when I have Adam Venateri sitting in there. <laughs> got like ten of them. He's Frank Reich, the Colts head coach, joining us. Is is Adam still playing? He's he's rehabbing, and then we're gonna we're in a wait and see mode. Okay, you know, we're waiting to see see how the rehab goes, see where it's all at. But yeah, we're in that wait and see mode. Are you still a pastor? Um, yeah, I'm still ordained. I still am ordained, and still uh, I I will officiate a wedding here and there. In fact, I'm officiating a wedding this summer of one of our coaches, um, one of our young coaches who uh, who is a who we've become very close. So I still enjoying. I probably do uh, officiate one wedding every two or three years. I, I really enjoy doing that. It's, it's a lot of fun. What if one of your players ask you? I would absolutely do it. I would absolutely do it. What's the I, charge I, I, on that though, coach? No charge. Oh, no charge. <laughs> actually, I shouldn't say that. Um, actually, I hope you don't mind me saying this, but when Andrew got married, I didn't officiate the wedding, but I had to, uh, because uh, he got married uh, out of the country, uh, Chris Ballard and I actually served as witnesses and I had to sign a document here back in the States. It had to be signed by an ordained minister. And, and I did, I signed that document. So that's a, that's a real privilege. Do you think Andrew would want to be a coach, assistant coach? Andrew I mean, Luck we're talking no, about. Yeah, that's a fair question. I mean, obviously you'd have to ask him. I mean, just the, 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 the time I've spent with him. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. Um, he is a he's a unique guy, and I love him. I, he's uh, I've really got very close with him, still close to him to this day. We still talk, um, obviously, even though he's retired. Um, but he he's going to be great at whatever he does next. Did you try to talk him out of that decision? No, no, that's a decision. No, not even thought never even crossed my mind. I know that's that would be foolish to try to do that. That's a decision you got. That's got to come from here, and. Um, you know, any attempts to do that would be vain conceit by me to think that I could actually do that. Yeah. Um, th- that would be foolish, I think. Philip Rivers, you bring him in. I know it's a one year deal, but I see quotes, see reports that, you know, it's one. And then how does Philip feel after one year? Is that fair assessment of uh, the future qu- at uh, quarterbacking position? Yeah, it's absolutely fair assessment. And, you know, we have all the respect in the world for him. And he's had an unbelievable career. And we know he's 38 years old, going to turn 39 during this season. Um, so it's number one, how does he feel? But, uh, you know, I mean, he's he knows this. It's number two is how does he perform? And, of course, we, we think he's going to perform lights out, which is why we're, you know, why we sign him and why we're paying him the money that we're paying him. I see no – I know him very, very well. Uh, I know his body movements. I know his arm strength. I know his arm motion, that, that unique arm motion that he has. And as I watched his film from the last couple of years, I've seen no diminishing skills physically. So we're very excited about having him as our quarterback this year. Do you know how many kids Philip has? <laughs> it's hard to keep count. Okay. I think we've had a couple, a couple more. But <laughs> got nine. There's 11, uh, 11 in the family and all nine children. And uh, you know, everything you see and hear about Philip, right, in that regard about family, it's all true. I mean, it's fun. I, you know, in San Diego when we were together, I was at his house with his family, with his children, playing in the backyard, uh, playing football in the backyard with his kids. Um, it's a family first mentality there. It's it's fun to be around. I had Mike Vrabel on recently, and I said, "Did you guys do a drive by on Tom Brady?" And he said, "Yeah, we looked at everybody here." Uh, how close did you get to, you know, interest in Tom Brady? 
Yeah, it was the same thing. We looked at everybody. That's our job. I mean, and Chris Ballard, I thought, did a phenomenal job. And he and I, you know, especially at this at every position, but at the quarterback position. And, you know, we like we said from the beginning, we we loved Jacoby Brissett. So we looked at every option. We talked through every option. And we just thought we thought Philip Rivers was a guy for us. It was a unique connection that uh, myself and Nick Seriani and Jason Michael all coached. You know, we've all coached with Philip before. We knew Philip knows our system. The language is still pretty much the same. There's a few things that have changed. Philip was the right guy for us. I love your draft. I, I, Jonathan Taylor out of Wisconsin, but I love Michael Pittman. Michael Pittman just is a football player. And, and I, I don't know what, which one of those two do you, have, do you feel like will be able to contribute more right away. You know, that's a great question. I mean, like history and stats would tell you it's a little bit harder for receivers to have an impact early on. Um, but I think, and this is one of the reasons we like Michael, he's got a physical and emotional maturity about him that we think he can come in and make an, a more immediate impact than most receivers do. And so, um, and obviously we think Jonathan can come in and make a big impact as well. So we feel really good about both of them. Yeah, I like Pittman a lot. I mean, Taylor has – Taylor at that size and has that speed. And, and you guys are a running attack. Maybe you didn't want to be as much of a running attack, uh, attack as you were last year, and that's why you're bringing in Phillip. But it's nice to, you know, see Jonathan Taylor just sitting there for you. Yeah, how excited do you get when you see something like that, where you just – do you giggle like a schoolgirl? Well, maybe not like a schoolgirl, but let me just tell you, there's a lot of there's I wake up with a lot of juice and I think about our team and I and I start visualizing what it's going to look like this this fall, uh, uh, assuming we're playing and on time and all that fun stuff. But I, I'm excited and I see in, in, in Pittman and Jonathan Taylor and then you add guys like T.Y. Hilton and Marlon Mack and Jack Doyle and all the other playmate, you know, and, and I see we're a very unselfish team. I see us spreading the ball around. I see us uh, being dual threat, run and pass. Um, I see us being a really good situational team on third down and in the red zone. I see our defense really taking another step. Um, I'm really excited about, you know, uh, we get to force Buckner, you know, adding to, you know, Justin Houston and an already good, and a young defense. I mean, we are young, young, young on defense and just on the rise. So I, I see a good football team in my mind right now. What do you know about the start of the season? Not much. I mean, you know, it's changed a couple of times. So my mindset and our mindset when I talk to the team is, hey, we're assuming we're starting training camp on time. We're assuming we're playing all our normal schedule with fans in the stadium. We all know things could change or adapt. So um, we'll be ready for that. Um, just know players, you know that we as coaches have plans for all of that. We know how to adjust and adapt. We want, I want the players to feel confidence, you know, that, Hey, no matter what they get thrown at them, we've thought about every scenario. We have schedules for everything. We've talked it through. Um, Chris Bowder and I talk day and night about this stuff. We're and coaching staff. So we're ready, but our mindset is we're playing ball. Um, start week, uh, week one. And I also think it's beneficial. Philip knows the system. He's worked with you and Nick, so he knows that system, and that, that's where you can hit the ground running. I'll leave you with this, Coach. You can see the guys that I have with me, my Dan Eds. Do you think Quentin Nelson could beat up all four of my guys at once? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Wait. I would love to see. I would love to see. This is a good-looking crew, but I would love to see them try to move Quentin off the spot. He just stand like – 
when you used to play King of the Mountain, somebody stand on top of the hill. I have this vision right now, Quinn standing on top of the hill, and, our, and, 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 your, and your team of guys right here trying to knock him off the hill. That's a pretty entertaining thought to me right now. I had an NFL scout tell me prior to the draft, he said, the best player in the draft is not going to be taken number one. And I said, who's that? He said, Quentin Nelson. And I said, so a guard is, not, is the best player in the draft. He said, he's got the meanest streak. He's a Hall of Famer in waiting, and he will start right away. So when he went to the Colts, and I thought, Andrew Luck has got somebody there who's going to protect him, and Quentin Nelson has lived up to those expectations. He's a, he's a throwback, it feels like, Coach. He really is, and, and your words are exactly right, and, and he has lived up to those in every way, on and off the field, and his mentality is infectious. Um, he's a leader. He's tough-minded. Um, yeah, I, how can that be that who would have ever thought that we could be saying that about a guard? I know. He's I know. really he's really one of these generational players that uh you know we we're very fortunate to have. All right, work on the backdrop there. Okay. <laughs> you look like you're being held hostage there. I, I appreciate it. Well, I was just doing this so you would ask me back again <laughs> so I could show you that I would make an improvement the next time. Put like a, a Maryland banner up there or something, coach. Something. Have your kids scribble on the walls or something. I don't know. Yes, I'm worried about you. Appreciate it. Uh, thank you, Coach. All right. That's uh, Frank Reich, Colts head coach. It looked like he's being held prisoner there. Got to work on that. But we got some memorabilia I can send out to Coach there. Get him something on the wall. Uh, and he was right about Quentin Nelson. I think uh, it wouldn't take long before he wiped out the Danettes. Yeah, Paul. Someone has to go in first yeah, on no. Quentin and try to like take him out. Well, that's low. you. That's you. I would go low and try to distract him, and then hopefully the other guys could buzz around him. Mm. Yeah, I don't like your chances. No, there. I, I get taken out quick. Yeah, but it'd be over quickly. All right, we'll take a break. Play of the day coming up. Settle on a poll question and phone calls. We'll check in with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers coming up in a little bit as well, and UCLA head football coach Chip Kelly back after that. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, nine until noon Eastern, six to nine Pacific, on Fox Sports Radio, and you can find us on the iHeart Radio app at FSR, or stream us live every day at youtube.com slash the Dan Patrick Show. Maddie in New York City joining us. Hi, Maddie. Nice. All right. Uh, first time, long time, 61220. Beautiful. I got a quick one. Thanks again for what you and the Danettes are doing. I'm in New York, you know, and, uh, you know, it's a little bleak over here, but we're getting through, and you keep me on a schedule, so that's awesome. Thank you. Uh, yeah, a little, little quick. Uh, so, <laughs> Uh, as a journalist, as you are, who would you rather interview right now and get to the bottom of? The pizza delivery guy or Deflategate, the deflator? I would have the deflator on. That's awesome. Thank you, Matty. The deflator would be more interesting than the delivery guy. We could get the delivery guy on. I don't think I can get the deflator. That would be a little bit more interesting. We'll check in with the Buccaneers, speaking of Tom Brady, and it feels like... The Patriot fans, at least some of them, or at least some of the media in uh, in Boston, turning on Tom Brady here, wondering about his commitment to the Patriots the two previous years because he's all in and excited and working out with the Buccaneers, but where was he for those OTAs with the Patriots? Last I remember, didn't talk uh, Tom talk about he was uh, trying to not save his marriage, but he was trying to do the right thing for his wife with the OTAs. And that's why he was not there at OTAs. I, I think that's what he was saying. And well, it's more important. 
Uh, well, <laughs> you're right. What's more important, your team or your family? Yeah, well, I've, mm-hmm. I've, I've had I've had those nice discussions. Commitment, Tom. I've had those discussions at my house before. <laughs> What's more important, ESPN or us? Hmm. Give me a minute, hon, and I'll answer that <laughs> one. Uh, you guys, of course. Of course, you guys. Uh, McLovin, what kind of poll question do we have today? So, on, on the topic of Tom Brady, which NFC South quarterback will throw the most TDs this year? I'll give you Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Matt Ryan, or Teddy Bridgewater. I'm going to go Matt Ryan. I'm going to go Matt Ryan. You, you feeling pretty good about that Falcons offense, huh? Yeah, you got Julio Jones. That helps. But I, I, I would say Ryan. See, I don't know what – Breeze has Thomas there. Brady's got a couple of weapons, you know, certainly with Mike Evans. Teddy Bridgewater, it might be a little sparse there with, with Teddy, unless he's throwing a lot of little dump-off passes to Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, Paul. Matt Ryan will give you 29 touchdowns in his sleep. I mean, that's pretty much the year. 28, 29 touchdowns, 11 picks. He's very consistent. Yeah, I don't think Brady matches what uh, Jameis Winston did. Does he throw? He didn't throw for 5,000 yards this year, I don't think. I, he won't match the number of interceptions. I can guarantee that. Yeah, McClellan. I got excited about Brady's weapons, though, because both those tight ends seems like a good match, right? Yeah. Yeah, he got Brady. go. When, when OJ Howard like, on the trading block and going to leave or something? That's what I think leading up to the draft or after the draft, they talked about is O.J. Howard just uh, expendable and maybe the Patriots would be interested in him. And I thought that maybe you were going to include O.J. Howard in the Rob Gronkowski transaction somehow, but that didn't uh, didn't uh, happen. Which older quarterback throws the most touchdowns? Brady Breeze, Roethlisberger, Philip Rivers. I don't want to put Aaron Rodgers in there. I don't consider him old yet. He's close, but he's not old. Brady, Breeze, Ben. See where Ben got his hair cut, got his beard trimmed? All of a sudden, that was big news. There, there was some, you know, it was brought up to the governor. They had a press conference. And uh, I guess Ben showed up at the workout session at a high school in uh, Pennsylvania, and he looked all clean cut. Uh so he went to a barber shop, a local establishment that's not supposed to be operating in the area, the uh, current phase of reopening amid uh, the coronavirus pandemic. While speaking to reporters on Tuesday, the governor, Tom Wolf, criticized the 38-year-old signal caller. Now, once again, he was asked about Ben Roethlisberger, but uh, I saw a headline where Pennsylvania governor slams Ben Roethlisberger. This is what the governor had to say. My concern is just a general concern. Anybody who puts himself or herself into harm's way is something that I think we have to try to avoid. When you go to do when you go to something like a barbershop and you're not protected, I don't care who you are. The chances of that virus actually wreaking havoc on your life increases. I don't personally think any Pennsylvanian ought to take that chance. I certainly don't want to take that chance myself. That's not slamming Ben Roethlisberger. When, when he says, my concern is just a general concern, I don't think it's really focused on Ben Roethlisberger. Hey, Ben, don't do that again. Now, if Carson Wentz got his hair cut in the Allegheny County, 
then maybe he would have a problem with that. Yeah, Paul. It appears the governor is an Eagles fan. Uh, Carson Wentz could have gotten a Manny Petty and he wouldn't have criticized him. Apparently. Yeah, so I'd, I don't know if he slammed Ben Roethlisberger there, but hey, it got me to click, and that's what you want. Yeah, get me to kick, uh, click on that. Uh, what else do we have, McLovin? By the way, can I put Ryan Fitzpatrick on that old quarterback poll? I love that one. Sure, why not? 37? Yeah, but he's, well, how old is Aaron Rodgers? You're right, 36. 36, I yeah. I'll double-check that. I'm not sure. But I I, I don't think Ryan, well, Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to start the season. I don't know if he's going to finish the season as the starting quarterback there. I like how he says he's uh, Tua Tungavailoa's biggest fan. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if he is his biggest fan, but, you know, it's nice that he welcomes Tua Tungavailoa before Tua takes his job. Is Tua's jersey the home and away the number one selling jersey right now? I, I think it is. I think it's home and uh, road jerseys are the two top selling jerseys right now. We'll check in with the Buccaneers. More phone calls coming up. We'll settle on that poll question. And Chip Kelly, UCLA head coach, will join us in the final hour. Dan Patrick Show.